Hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman, and I'm here with episode number 36 of our One Slide at a Time. If you've been following this series, you know that I've been going back to old presentations that I've done at previous conferences when we were face-to-face, -face. Um, but I'm taking those and taking just one slide and deep diving on one particular slide. So we're on episode 36, so there's a several uh, dozen episodes ahead of this one. And I spent a lot of time, especially as we got into the 20s and 30s, especially talking about user stories. But I don't want you to feel like that's all we're going to talk about. Because in general, we're talking about that big umbrella known as agile, agility, business agility. And with agility comes flexibility. And those are two key concepts that especially in our world where the new norm seems to be changing on a frequent basis, it's very important that we think about, know about, um, and really understand all the research that has been done as it relates to ways of working in an agile and flexible environment. The good thing is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel there's some pain points that you can bypass because they've been tried and experimented with. And most certainly, you can learn from other people's lessons learned. So that's why topics like agile, agility, flexibility, um, for myself, someone that's been under that agile umbrella and exploring and taking notes for the last 15 years. Um, and the, the opposite of agility is more of a very predefined, let's, I might as well say, rigid process. Um, and rigid, not in a negative way, but rigid in that it's very structured, repeatable, it's already defined, you have a checklist and you can just check off the list and just going by the checklist ensured that you were working in the most efficient way as they knew at the moment they, they wrote the, the checklist. But the reality is, is that how we work, it has to change as quickly as the world and the environmental things and the different types of projects and the people participating in the project. There's always those different elements in motion and so your process, your process documents now, they have to be living documents and be very flexible. They need to give you those guidelines to keep you going in the right direction, but they can't give you those day-to-day -day instructions or prescriptive list of you must do this and you must do it in this order and you must do it in this way, um, we can't rely on those. Those are just guidelines. And what we need to do and what we want is people and team members who are critical thinkers that can read what might have worked previously and might be there in the guidelines and weigh it against 
the reality and the factors and the, the real world scenarios and make tweaks and adjustments. Doesn't mean to abandon completely the guidelines. Guidelines are important. Compliance is important. There's a lot of regulated environments. They're regulated, yet they need to be agile. So this is why this series of podcasts, I'm giving you tools and tips and really even just challenging your mindset, different ways of thinking so that you can be a critical thinker, look at the guidelines, appreciate what they are trying to convey the spirit of the guideline, and then make the right interpretation uh, of how to apply it to your current situation. Um, so that's what agile, agility, and flexibility, um, those new ways of, for some, new ways of working, um, how to embrace them, embrace that almost constant state of change. Um, there's change around every corner, every day being a, a different day. Being able to embrace those and yet and not feel like chaos or even manage chaos because the opposite of what I often see is just dismissing all guide, guidelines and guidance. Um, and a, a word that I've recently seen be weaponized is uh, being empowered. Where you're just going to empower people, and yet they don't have the enough experience or background or history or even reference material, but you empower them and... I've seen empowerment actually do just the opposite. It sets people up for failure. It makes them afraid in the future to use their own discretion and decision-making. And what they don't realize is that they're set up because they haven't been given enough information to use that empowerment uh, to the best of their uh, abilities. And so the balance between empowering the team is making sure your servant leaders are serving up information and insight and examples and even taking on that coaching role to coach you through the process. Um, and so the two go hand in hand. So a lot of that, what I just said, was just kind of a, a setup and a, and a context because not everything that I'm referring to even is limited to IT, IT teams, to computer science. Even though we're technology expresso, I get a lot of my, my experiences from the technology realm. But one thing to understand is that why I use technology as an example is that we've all seen in the last 30 years, and that's been the kind of the span of my, my career as well, how fast technology has changed. And over that course of changing, it's changed how people live, how people communicate. Can anyone like myself remember back to when you had home phones 
and they were, you know, they were connected to the wall. These you, you started buying these long cords, and you almost could take that phone all the way through the house, and the cord would almost extend the, the length of the, the house wherever you needed to go. And then we went from cord to cordless, um, and that felt revolutionary. And at the time, of course, it was. Um, then you, I remember when beepers came out. Um, and first beepers, you only thought about doctors needing beepers, you know, needing to be contacted when they were remote. Um, and then next, everybody was getting a beeper. That was our way of getting in contact with each other. You beeped each other, and you had little code numbers, 411, 911. That means you called back right away. And what did you do? You went to a payphone to go call somebody. Um, but yet we thought, you know, that was, you know, we were so hip in doing that, so to speak. So cool. And then there be, then came out the mobile phones. Um, I remember the excitement of uh, having a mobile phone. First, they started out huge, and they were mainly for corporations and business people. And then those went mainstream. Now we can't even imagine the idea of being out and about, running errands, doing our, our, our Saturday um, daily routine, and not having a mobile phone. The only time you got phone calls you might have had an answering machine at home and you'd have to check it when you got back to the house and catch up on any missed messages. Now we can't even imagine, you know, someone calling and we missing, uh, you know, not answering in that moment and or texting in that moment. So what that has done, technology, it has just made the world speed up. We get immediate reactions um, immediate communications. We're accessible 24-7. So everything from business to leisure to any type of planning activity can happen so much faster because we have 24-7 immediate access to any and everyone that's willing to talk to you and respond to your, your texts and your phone calls. Um, so it, it it's very different, and trying to keep up with that, that means we have to employ different tools. And at the same time, we've got to realize that there's a human factor in there. Even though technology enables us to be on and accessible 24-7, that sometimes has turned out to be a bad thing, to be a dangerous thing, um, in that it's causing us to, again, not have that downtime. I've heard people recently talking about things that never even existed before, but things like Zoom fatigue. You're just just burnt out from, from Zoom, from being on. Um, you know, there's also people, I've, I've heard the term of detoxing, social media detox, um, and or, or just even technology, detox, just setting things, uh, your technology or your social media, just turning it off. Um, and some people really struggle with that, whether it's 24 hours or for a week, can you imagine? Um, but it, it's been, it's helped them from a healthy,
perspective from uh, mentally um, and just de-stressing and reducing anxiety. So there's good and bad with the as fast as the world is moving. And this is where in lives people for many years, and in my case, 15 years, have been looking at processes, how processes have evolved and changed, what has worked, what has not. And IT technology, um, those who work in this industry have felt what the consumers feel as fast as we are changing devices and phones and and making them smaller or bigger or tablets or, you know, all the different um, variations on technology from the consumer's perspective. If you only imagine what working in the industry is like and how our, our projects and our strategies and what's next and what the consumer wants or needs or I'm trying to be that breakthrough and to be on the, the bleeding edge on in front of what the customer even thinks that they need, um, being ahead of that, um, being in that industry, we already had to think about and adapt to agility. So this is why we're kind of the, the forerunners and sharing uh, agile methodologies and what works and what doesn't. Um, and that's why I've, I've talked to and consulted and spoken with some of the schools when they had to make some of their adjustments. We call it pivot. They had to pivot when COVID caused the schools to close and um, parents to homeschool and things. Then communication became remote and teaching became remote. Um, we had had those experiences and so just translating those for the schools um, what it, we had the last 10 or 12 years to experiment with unfortunately they had almost 24 hours to have to make that adjustment um, and so that, that first year of course there was some trial and error um, this year there may be schools that are a lot more prepared, but then there's also a new twist, especially in whether we are seeing it at the schools or in the workplace, where you now have hybrid environments. Some people will stay remote, and some people are more than ready to come back to the office as soon as it's, it's safe. Um, and so having those two different types of environments as well um, and in the impact also that some of those who are staying home are continuing with the homeschooling or are going to find them in situations where the schools have to close because of contamination uh, for the safety of the children and, and teachers um, and so there's we are now looking at a world work environment where from day to day we have to understand how to to pivot how to embrace uh, even our the team's capacity and that's something that we deal with so much in in agile is that we're trying to identify what is the capacity 
of the team so that we can predict whatever we're working on, what is an estimated uh, time frame of when it'll be completed um, for planning purposes. And that's one of the things that everyone has to, to understand is from a business and a strategy perspective, uh, as far as, as a you know, organization trying to know, you know, if you're going in a certain direction or trying to hit a certain target at any given time, to keep on top of things, uh, to keep your company viable, you've got to be able to do forecasting and estimating. So that is probably one of the trickiest um, issues when it comes to being agile, being flexible, but also trying to marry that with being predictable. So this is more of kind of a, a setup and, and transition to some future topics that I'll be talking about in the One Slide at a Time series. Um, so stay tuned. We've got a little bit and a lot for everyone. Um, this isn't just a one-sided look at Agile and technology and IT. So stay tuned and just continue to listen. Thanks.